What's up, y'all? This is John and Wes back for another episode of the Nothing Finer podcast. And, you know, it was it was a great week 12 for everyone that's not Tennessee or Peter Burns, who got his ass beat behind the scenes of SEC <laughs> Network. Um, that, that Georgia versus LSU rumble did not go his way after he was talking he put Benjamin Watson's wife's name in his mouth, if you get that reference. Yeah, you don't and, do that. Uh, well, go ahead. You don't do that. No. No. No, absolutely not. No, that was uh, – and then Benjamin Watson comes back to the set, obviously still pissed off. Peter Burns is still nowhere in sight. <laughs> Chris Doring makes another joke, and it's like, bro, I get you're in shape, but – uh. Benjamin Watson has been a part of more Super Bowl losing efforts than you spent seasons it, in the NFL. You might love shut up. I love the fact that Ben Watson like came back and had like buttoned his blazer back up. Like, bro, you know something went down. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> it was it was probably some body shots because Peter Burns can't have a black eye on TV. Um, Cause, do you see? Do you see that they posted a picture afterwards, and Ben oh, Watson. Benjamin Watson was still about to bite his head off. <laughs> it, if we can manage to get Benjamin Watson on the podcast, that's going to be a question we ask. You know he's not going to talk about it. You know, I we'll try. We'll, we'll try. try. Oh yeah, we'll, we'll we'll find his Twitter. Yeah. Oh man, it was. Uh, it was like I said, everybody except Tennessee and Benjamin Watson were happy, or not Benjamin Watson, but Peter Burns were happy at the end of that day. Literally uh, everybody. Yeah, I mean, uh, top five teams, well, really all top seven teams struggled this week. Um, it didn't, LSU managed to pull away from UAB in the second half, but it was 14-10 at the end of the first half. So that's just kind of, you know, take that for what it is. Hmm. But at, let's start at the bottom. USC struggled, three-point win over UCLA. Move up to five. Um, South Carolina beat number five Tennessee in a just absolute beatdown. They beat the dog shit out of the number five. Yeah, bro. Smokey, uh, Smokey was wearing a damn neck brace on his way back to Knoxville. <laughs> then you had Michigan have to kick or TCU kick a wild walk off fire drill field goal. I don't give a damn what happened during that game. That single <laughs> play was impressive. That turn of events. Well, you know, you, you practice that like all week. Like that's something that you practice like at least once or twice a week. But to actually oh, yeah. like put it in the gameplay and it actually work. Oh yeah, and I mean TCU. Every time they've gotten close to being an elite team, it's been Baylor that's been in the way. Yeah. So I don't care if Baylor wasn't ranked and they're going to finish the season six and six or seven and five. That was impressive. It, you got so, speaking of Baylor, I can't wait for my son to get old enough and like actually understand what like the TV saying, and he hears <laughs> his name on the TV. <laughs> That's going to be good. You got to take a video of that. Oh, yeah, for those of you who don't know, my son's name is Baylor. My wife didn't know it was a school when we named him. She just thought it was a cool name. I'm like, yeah, sure, I love that name. It's a good name. <laughs> Baylor Bears. That's his nickname. Love it. <laughs> Number three team in the country, Michigan. 
won by a last-minute field goal to beat an unranked Illinois team. Um, and then you've got number two, Ohio State, which it says 13-point victory over yeah. over Maryland. And for those of you that didn't watch that game, um, with nine seconds left, Ohio State got a fumble return, one-yard fumble return for a touchdown. Yeah, it was Talia, wasn't it? Didn't Talia fumble it? Yeah, to his yeah. little brother fumbled that one. It's uh, but up until that, it was a six-point game, and really, Ohio State was not able to stop a Maryland offense that's not been that good for most of the season. No. And then you know we'll we'll go in more in depth about it in a little bit, but Georgia beat Kentucky by ten points, sixteen to six. Um, very very uninspiring for honestly most of the game but we'll get we'll definitely get more into that here in a little bit but before we get started you drink anything tonight just a um a heartbreaking Gatorade um I told my wife no more Gatorades in this house so we're now a Powerade family Powerade's better anyways it, it is she didn't know my son said he wanted Gatorade so she bought him Gatorade and then I explained to her why we don't drink Gatorade and well so little uh little you know degenerate admission here have you ever mixed sugar-free white cherry powerade and crown apple i'm gonna have you take a guess on that i'm gonna say no (laughs) so so you know being being just some regular infantry bros when we went to Fort Polk everybody for JRTC everybody brought at least one flask of liquor with them right um and I had regular whiskey in one and I had crown apple in the other and we were getting on the charter bus to drive the 12 hours from Fort Polk back to Atlanta and we stopped at a uh we stopped at a truck stop somewhere in Alabama. I bought a Gatorade, <laughs> drank it, or Powerade, drank a little bit, poured my flask in there, and then we played uh, We played spades for money for the rest of the bus ride. Nice. You know, this typical degenerate shit. Typical degenerate. Dude, I just learned how to play spades last football season, believe it or not. How have you been in the military this long and just learned how to play spades? I've had people like try to teach me, but like it never like clicked. And then I met a um a darker skinned family from Georgia, mm-hmm. and um I don't I mean yeah that's probably sounded really racist. Um, <laughs> no, and- you know one of my one of my best friends from the military, he always said there's two people there's two places that white people learn to play spades. Yeah, in the military or in jail. And uh, he he taught me how to play spades. A a darker skinned male from Georgia and his family taught me how to play spades while I was in the army. <laughs> oh man, I love spades. It's good. Me, it's fun. Uh, I got I got smoked one time because me and one of my other friends that was also an E four uh, skunked our commander in XO in spades at one of the airports on our way back from deployment. It went. 
It went 13-0. And they spoke. See, that's fucked up. It was it was kind of funny. It, it was <laughs> I talked way more shit than I should have to that commander because he's an Alabama fan. I'm I'm a big component of like if it's not work, like if it's sports or cards or something like that, like ranks out the window. I don't care. Like I'm talking all the shit I want. I I don't necessarily disagree with you, but it was funny. He made me do like three push-ups and then we got because <laughs> we were talking shit like, oh, oh yeah. that degree ain't doing nothing for you now, is it, sir? Can't <laughs> play spades, but you can write a damn essay, can't you? <laughs> I love it. I love it. But back to some football. Um, that was our weekly army talk. Yeah. <laughs> if you didn't know, this is a uh, just a storytelling podcast where we occasionally mention football. <laughs> um, you know what? Let's just since there were so many close games, let's let's start with uh, let's start with the USC UCLA game. It was yeah. good. I didn't watch the game i fell asleep but <laughs> that's one of those games where like you throw the records out the window like i hate when people say that like oh d when these two teams meet up throw the records out the windows like anything could happen like i hate that cliche but like this game is legit like that game like you never know what's gonna happen with these two teams like they're literally like what half a mile from each other like yeah and, you know, all 20 people show up to their games all the time. Yeah. But someone – I saw something where, like, it was, like, the Rose Bowl is the best environment in college football. I'm like, what? Maybe for a playoff game with an SEC team. But, Maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, yeah. I'm glad USC won because, I mean, granted, even though that was after the Tennessee collapse, <laughs> it would have kept Tennessee out of the playoffs, so – but no, I mean, I like Caleb. I'm I'm happy to see USC back on top of the mountain. I'm glad to see them starting to do good again. I, I if I'm being 100 percent honest, I could care less about USC. But <laughs> I think it I you know, I think it'll be fun if a Pac 12 team can actually make the playoff. Because what the last one was what, Washington? Washington in the 2016 playoff. Yeah, you got murdered by Alabama. Yep. You know, it'll it'll just be Lincoln Riley's uh, used to be annual make it to the playoff to get smoked by an SEC team. Yeah, yeah. And the, you know, we're we're really back into that Lincoln Riley cycle of plays a bunch of nobodies and still manages to lose a game, wins a conference that's relatively weak makes it to the playoff, gets absolutely smoked because their defense is non-existent. And then, you know, for, I don't know, let's say May to August, we hear from ESPN how Lincoln Riley's going to have a good defense. We're back on the cycle, baby. Back on the cycle. It's, it's, a, full, it's a full cycle. Yeah. It, it, things are going right in the world, you know. Lincoln Riley is going to take a one-loss team to get smoked in the playoffs. It's it's going to be a good time. Probably by Georgia. Well, they – depending on how they win these last two games, I think they might be able to jump TCU. You think so? So, the thing is, they're going to play a ranked Notre Dame team. 
and yeah. then play and either uh, they're going to play a ranked team in either Oregon, Oregon, or Utah. So they'll yeah. finish their season with three ranked wins if they go undefeated. So I saw something today, and I shared it in our in our group. Um, it was a path for Alabama to still make it to the playoffs, and all <laughs> of those things could happen. They could give Bama a chance to make the playoffs. Man, it's it's entirely possible. But I mean, with this with this USC UCLA game, it if you want to talk about how bad USC's defense is, they allowed forty five points to a two loss team, um, and they trailed until eight minutes and fifty seconds in the third quarter. Jeez. They were down 24-20 until they scored a touchdown with 8.50 left in the third quarter. And then they kind of took it from there. I mean, they never lost the lead from that point. But Yeah. I'm one of those believers in, like, college football is fun when USC is good. And – I used to hate them back in the day, back when, you know, Pete Carroll, Reggie Bush, Matt Leinart days. But now I could give two craps about them, but I like seeing them good again. I understand. I understand the thought process of them being good is good for the sport. But I think more quality teams across the board is good for the sport, not necessarily which teams are good. Because a lot of people say the same thing about Miami. A lot of people say the same thing about Tennessee and Florida and Auburn and well, all these other quote-unquote blue bloods. But all those other teams you named, I love when they're down. I like when they're mediocre. And that's because a lot of those teams are on Georgia's schedule. So yeah. I like when they're good enough for it to be a positive that they're on the schedule. I mean, not for um, long. But I mean – they're talking about getting rid of division, so we let's talk about that at the end because I have a lot of thoughts on that. <laughs> I have I have a lot of thoughts. If you guys haven't noticed, I'm a very opinionated person. Um, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll <clears throat> I will uh, I will get to that. But yeah, I in the playoff prediction for this week that we put out emphasis on this week because people are still the same people that started commenting on our predictions three weeks ago calling us stupid and then two weeks ago and then last week and then this week even though it says this week's prediction um, there's this weekly prediction on it yeah there's people that still say we're stupid for saying that's going to be our final ranking when it obviously says this week's prediction. So I don't, I don't know. I, I've got USC jumping LSU this week. Yeah, that's all that. And so I've... to explain that, USC has a ranked win in UCLA okay. recently. Recently. USC has not scored less than 30 points since week four. They scored 30 or more points every week since week four. 
and they've only got one loss. LSU's got two losses. You know, granted, one of those is to Florida State, who's now ranked, Tennessee, who is ranked. But they got blown out by a Tennessee team that now has two losses, and I think that's going to hurt their record a little. Yeah. Um, and we know. all know how much the committee loves Lincoln Riley. Yeah. And that, that's just kind of why I think USC is going to jump them. It's mainly the one loss. They've got a ranked win. They've been very hot as of lately. And the committee has an infatuation with Lincoln Riley. Yeah. But was it Lincoln Riley that they had infatuation with? Or was it the Heisman Trophy quarterback that they had? Well, I mean, if you want to look at the stats, they're, it's possible that they've got another finalist this year. They could, yeah. I, Caleb Williams, 3,480 passing yards, 65% completion, 33 touchdowns, three interceptions. Jeez. And then if you want to talk about his rushing stats, 316 yards, seven touchdowns on the ground. He is one of the few quarterbacks on – he might be the only quarterback in the country on a one-loss team with 40 touchdowns. And he still has to play two games. Yeah, dude. Dude's been killing it out there on the West Coast. Yeah. Like. 100%. I, we haven't talked about him near as much as we should, but I think I would rank him over C.J. Stroud right now, who's probably going to end up winning the Heisman. Yeah. If, if he has a good game against Michigan, I think he wins the Heisman. Win or lose, if he has a good game, I think that's it. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. All right, so we're going to skip the LSU game mainly because they played UAB, and that's – I mean, don't don't sleep on the Blazers. They're a good team, but they're, uh, they're not that good. And then I think we're also going to come back to the Tennessee-South Carolina because we're going to have some fun with that one. So let's do Michigan, Illinois. So yeah, this uh this Michigan Illinois game, it was a little surprising, if I'm be entirely honest with you. Um I think a lot of it had to do with Blake Corum being injured in part of this game. Um Heisman contender running back, he still led the team with rushing yards, 18 carries for 108 yards. I just – and to be entirely fair, this Illinois defense up until the last couple of weeks has been outright dominant, like up there with Georgia. They, as of the other day, were third in scoring defense, allowing 13.09 points per game. Jeez. Um yeah, I mean, uh, good old Brett Bilma's done some done some good up there for that team, surprisingly enough. But their total defense numbers, they're second. Illinois has the second total defense in the country. So, I mean, that it's a very good football team. Yeah. I mean, looking at the numbers right now, looking at the stats, like what definitely helped this Michigan team out was fourth down. They were three for four. On fourth downs. 
Yeah. And so obviously, like, that's literally what gave them the advantage in this game against a pretty good Illinois team. Yeah, no, for sure. Illinois is significantly better than I think anybody expected them to be this year. Yeah, oh, yeah. But after after 11 minutes and 28 seconds into the game, Michigan only scored field goals. They had four field goals after 11-28 in the first quarter, which is nuts. For a potentially high, for a potentially playoff contending team, um, I will say the good news for Michigan is that Ohio State also struggled a lot in their game this week. Um, do you have anything else on this Michigan Illinois game? No, I mean honestly, what like you said. Quarrel being hurt, but, I mean, he came back and played. Um, it wasn't a devastating injury that kept him out of the game. And none of it really matters because of what Saturday entails. Like, Yeah, no, I I, yeah. Ing- I agree wholeheartedly. It, it really doesn't matter what this team or Ohio State did this past weekend as long as they won. Yeah, they were both looking I, – I honestly wholeheartedly believe, like, both teams struggled – I think they were both looking ahead to the game Saturday. I can, I can, yeah, I can get behind that train of thought. Because, <laughs> I mean, next, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just laughing. I'm, next game we're talking about is uh, Ohio State at Maryland. Like we talked about earlier, score 43-30. Seven of those points came with nine seconds left in the game because – Maryland was doing their best to move the ball, ended up fumbling, and uh, they got a one-yard scoop and score. So I, that's like, you know, for any of you people that watch hockey or soccer, when a team's down a couple of goals late in the game, they're going to take out their goalie to try and get as much as they can. Like, they're going to be aggressive. And that's kind of what Maryland was doing. That's the reason they were running a play that put them in that much danger. Um. So I, I definitely don't – I don't credit Ohio State for that being a phenomenal play as much as I do Maryland just making a mistake trying to be aggressive. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad you brought up soccer. Did you watch the World Cup earlier? No, I was doing this kind of thing called work. Dude, I mean, I was too. Oh, okay. <laughs> the officials were horrible in that game and gave the game away for the United States. Which yeah, is weird. no, I saw some clips and heard some stuff. I just – it's horrible, atrocious. But anyways, this is a football. Well, Not football. College. This is a college podcast. Um. Yeah, I mean, if you want to look at the box score over here, Maryland did significantly better than anyone expected them to do in this game. To his little brother Talia, I believe it's pronounced, went twenty six to thirty six for two hundred and ninety three yards, two touchdowns. They had 31 carries for 84 yards on the ground. And, I mean, it really just came down to Ohio State being able to make one stop at the end of that game, the reason that they won. Because it was a six-point game with Maryland attempting to drive the football at the end of the game. Dude, I think this is bullshit. What is? You know, know, like, ESPN does, like, the win probability thing? 
Yeah. The lowest that Maryland or Ohio State was ever down was 60.9%. Yeah, I don't – we all know ESPN loves – And that was in the third quarter while, Mar- while Maryland was leading. Yeah. Yep. But yeah. honestly, when it comes to win probability – and FPI and all that kind of stuff. I put very, very little stock into it. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you want to talk about predictors and stuff that I actually do like, if you Google 538 and you got to spell it out, like spell out 538 <laughs> um, into Google with playoff predictor, they've got like 538 statistical website, like they do everything from politics to sports and all that good stuff. And they've got an option to where you can select, like, Georgia's going to win their next game. Ohio State's going to lose their next game. This team's going to win out. And it'll tell you, like, it changes the ratios of who's going to oh, wow. not only make the playoff, but what their chances are of winning the championship with that playoff. Oh, that's so, cool. Yeah. So if you're interested, you know, they, they don't sponsor us or anything, but that's been my favorite playoff prediction website for – since I found it in probably 2018. They've got they've got a lot of good, legit, like mathematical statistics on there on who's going to make it and how they're going to fare and that kind of stuff. Huh. If going into this Ohio State at Maryland game, I would have told you that baby Tua was going to throw 52 more yards and one more touchdown than C.J. Stroud, would you believe me? I would have asked how many pass attempts he had. C.J. Stroud went 18 for 30, and Baby Tua went 26 for 36. Yeah, it's, um, not, not, not that big of a difference. No. He threw eight more passes, had 52 more yards, and another touchdown. Completed eight more passes, I should say. Ooh. Dang. Yeah, one thing I don't really like about like the quarterback passing yards is the yards after catch counting towards the quarterback. I agree. I think if football fans could get together and create a stat website, like a stat database that didn't include yards after the catch and passing yards and didn't include tipped passes and interceptions and didn't include – um, stuff like that on stats, I think everyone be would be a little bit happier when you're talking about stats. Yeah, because I would love to see. So, for instance, like Hidden Hooker, right? Yep. Yeah, he's he's had a shitload of like deep balls, but like how many times have he just like hit Brew McCoy or Cedric Tillman on like a slam? They took it like 30, 40, 50 yards. Like, yeah, no, I agree 100%. I mean, that's the same thing with um, like Bryce Young and Mac. 2019 or 2020 and 2021 like they had easily the best wide receiver room in the country and they would throw seven yard slants that the receiver would take 60 to the house yeah i would love i would love to see that so if anyone out there knows a way to do it and i've heard there's a website that has adjusted stats like that i'll have to figure out where what it is and that kind of stuff because i'd love to look into it Right. Um, yeah, I, you know, the score is going to indicate something entirely different with this Ohio State game. 
but to me, I don't, I was not impressed. No, not at all. Every, every team looked human this week, but not only did every team look human, but a lot of teams, their mortality is getting ignored. And, you know, ESPN, we bitch about them all the time. They have their favorites from week two on, but it just, I heard a lot about how Georgia got exposed, but not the fact that Ohio State gave up 30 points to a uh, six and five Maryland team. Yeah. See, but like, I don't understand that whole, oh, Georgia got exposed. Like, where'd they get exposed at? We'll, we'll get there. We will get there. But before we move on to this Tennessee game, you want to talk about uh, you want to talk about our ad real quick? Yeah, let's do it. Our first one, our first ad read, our first official ad read. We're well, right, guys. Professional. What would you do if your favorite Georgia distillery just so happened to be founded by multiple Georgia graduates? Ooh. You tell you would tell everybody you know, right? And, you know, I've I've gotten to be friends with the uh, team behind Atlanta's ASW Distillery, and I am very proud to report that for the last four years running, they've been America's most awarded craft distillery in the prestigious San Francisco World Spirits competition. World-renowned, like, they, this competition, they do all types of alcohol, like craft beer, wine, the whole gamut. Like, it is, it is the World Cup of alcohol and uh i mean asw like I said last four years they're the most awarded craft distillery in the country in this competition numerous gold medals for the fiddler bourbon lineup and uh something that might be even be a little bit more exciting than that they've got not one not two not three or four but five five georgia bulldogs helping make this liquor not just, and it's like I said, it's not just their bourbon. They do a scotch type single malt whiskey. They do an Irish type single malt whiskey, vodka, gin, all that kind of stuff. And it's a ton of dogs behind the scenes. Um, you can go join them and our friend David Booth at their Battery Atlanta location for Georgia games this season. They got some TV set up. You can go up there and watch a game for some great drinks. David Booth makes literally the best old-fashioned I've ever had in my life. Um, and you can pick up the Fiddler Bourbon at any, pretty much any liquor store in the state of Georgia. Wes, I know you still don't have any. I don't. But, but we're, we're working on remedying that. Um, <laughs> you can pick it up, like I said, any Georgia liquor store. A lot of the surrounding states have it as well. Um, just a ASW, delicious bourbon, always distilled by dogs. Dude, I love it. So professional. I, hey, you know, I can sound intelligent when I'm talking about very few things. <laughs> Fire sprinklers, football, <laughs> whiskey. That, that's about it. That that's is the extent it. of my intelligence. That's all you need. Oh, all right. You ready to talk about this Tennessee-South Carolina game? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Oh, excuse me. Rocky Flop, you'll always be 
bottom of the pole. Good old Rocky Flop. Woo! Woo! Tennessee. Let's go. And that was just another performance of Wes's uh, favorite home written song. Um, and honoring, you know, just honoring good old Rocky Flop making their mm. way right back down to uh, irrelevance. I think um, I think Sandstorms is about to be playing a lot in my household for the next couple of days. <laughs> and if you guys go to our Instagram, I posted a picture holding the Beamer ball towel because that was uh, – got to rep our guys over at the Spurs Up show, and that, that was just a great, great performance. That, to the uh, moon. Man, I'll be honest. I've said this a lot over the last couple of days in some in some conversations. This is a, if South Carolina's offense can maintain this, I'm glad we played them early. Right. Facts, dude. I, I, South Carolina took the lead with 10:34 to go in the first quarter and literally never gave up the lead. No. And, you know, before we get too far into this, we do want to talk about Hendon Hooker's injury because, you know, we talk a lot of shit about Tennessee on this show. We talk more shit about their fans and a couple specific players on that team that are very trashy. But everything I've ever heard about Hendon Hooker from people inside, outside of the program, he is a phenomenal person. He's been a phenomenal player for the last two seasons for them. And I, it causes me actual pain to see a player like that, potential Heisman winner, end his college career that he's fought so hard for, literally for six years, to get hurt a non-contact injury. And it's not only going to hurt his team moving forward for the rest of the season, but it could potentially hurt his draft stock and what he's able to do for his family down the road. And that really sucks. Yeah, no, it definitely – especially someone ending their season, like – not their season, but like their career like that. Like, Yeah. You want to see a player like that go out the best way they can and I and get get her in what third third quarter fourth quarter but then not late non, third early fourth yeah non-contact injury for those of y'all I don't know he tore his ACL on a play where he kind of he kind of cut awkwardly and yeah. as soon as he cut and went down you knew you knew what it was like it was one of those that like, you could tell injuries yeah no it it, it really 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 sucks but I, you know, there's nothing that you can do about it. It's just one of those things that it's a freak accident. It was non-contact. There was no dirtiness going on with it. Yeah. But it really, really, really sucks for him the way that ended. And for the Tennessee fans that aren't trashy assholes, it sucks for them too. I, but, you know, now that we've gotten over – gotten over talking about that for a second. Can we talk about how terrible the officiating was in this game? Dude, horrible. This game, almost every single Tennessee defensive snap, it was pass interference. Almost everyone rarely got called. And number five on Tennessee's defense, Haddon, Hayden, whatever the hell his name is, 
he would get burned for 40 yards and then turn around, push the South Carolina player and talk shit. Dude, speaking of him, did you see the video I sent to the group? Oh, God, which one? <laughs> it was during the field storming. Like, it was a total accident, but he's like, he's running off. That's all I know it wasn't hitting Hooker because, like, he was running and trucked some chick. I'm talking about just straight up, just like, shoulder check like it was a complete accident because as soon as it happened he like was like oh shit i helped her up but yeah he straight up just demolished this chick like running on the field share that to the to the big (laughs) facebook group because i can't find it okay i'll see if i can find it yeah but no i mean i think it's great like what happened uh south carolina i don't know if you know this or not ran out of fireworks that they scored so much (laughs) It's sad when your own damn equipment and facility staff is like, man, there is no way in hell they're scoring this much. We can quit buying fireworks. It's the last home game. We don't want none of this shit to just sit here until next season. We're good. We're, you know what? We got, what, five, six? That's that's plenty. We'll still have those next year. Shit, 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 shit. <laughs> they sent somebody out at halftime, like, find a fireworks stand that's open right now. <laughs> Oh man, that was. What, do you think after that game, Marcus Satterfield keeps his job? Dude, I don't know. Are we sure Marcus Satterfield is the one calling the plays? I don't know, but I can tell you that when, um, when Shane Beamer was asked about it, either post game or this morning, I don't remember which one. He was pissed that that was even a question. Really? So, hey, so someone asked him that? Oh, yeah. They said, <laughs> what do you, he, they said, what are your thoughts on the rumor that Marcus Satterfield wasn't the one calling plays on Saturday night? And he said something about, that's just absolutely damn ridiculous. Marcus was calling every single play that we ran on Saturday. I don't even know why that's a question. <laughs> Man, Jane, you know that's, you know why that's a question. Your only touchdown against Florida was your punter throwing a touchdown. That's why the question was asked. So, but obviously, like home field advantage has been a thing this season. Oh, absolutely! Like one hundred percent has been a thing. Like I wholeheartedly believe if we went to Knoxville, we probably would have lost to Tennessee. I don't know if we would have lost, but I think it would have been a very different game. Yeah. Because if Spencer Rattler and that team was able to score 63 points, do you really not think Georgia could have kept up with Tennessee? Yeah, true, true. But like I said, that was also at home. I don't know. You know, we don't have to worry about that because Tennessee will beat us on a neutral field, so we don't have to worry about that. Oh, yeah, and especially if the grass was shorter and if Georgia didn't pump in crowd noise – and it didn't rain, and it was on a neutral field, Tennessee definitely would have scored more than one touchdown at least. Do you think that's what happened in Columbia? Do you think the grass was high still? Man. No, I think the grass was probably too short, and that's why Hendon had that awkward cut. Oh, don't go that low. Hey, I'm just I'm trying to put myself in the in the spot of a Tennessee fan. <sighs> yeah. Hey, Tennessee fans will be humble until Wednesday afternoon. No, they won't. Hey, that's how long they were humble for after the Georgia loss. Was it? <clears throat> Some of them. 
come up. Some of them. But, I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of Tennessee fans coming out with excuses, you know, oh, this defensive player, you know, couldn't play because he got in an argument with this other guy and told the coach to fuck off and all this other stuff. Like, Yeah, let's actually talk about that. For anyone that doesn't know, um, there is a, I don't want to say highly speculated rumor about it, but there is some stories that have come out of come out of the Tennessee camp that Jeremy Banks refused to do push-ups after breaking a team rule. And Hendon Hooker, trying to be a leader, got in his face and tried to get him to do the push-ups. And then they got into an argument about Hendon making more NIL money. And Jeremy punched him in the face. Backup quarterback Joe Milton broke up the fight. Um... But apparently everybody on the defense was pissed off at everybody on the offense because they pick sides, which, you know, this was a concern that some people brought up in before NIL really took over as players getting upset with each other. Which this is the first time I've heard of players being upset about NIL money. Like, you've heard other programs, take Georgia for instance, they've asked them, hey, like, do you feel like you know, this guy shouldn't make this much or that they make more than you. Like, and they're like, no, like, this dude is the dude. Like, there's a reason he has this kind of NAL money. There's a reason these companies are coming to him. There's a reason for these things. Like, yes, obviously, your starting quarterback who could be a potential Heisman winner and is leading you down this historic offensive, you know, season is going to make more money than you. You have to understand that. So, and then you go to, once again, I'll bring up Georgia NIL money. When JT Daniels, you know, was getting his, you know, deals and scholarships and offers and stuff, like, he was giving money to the linemen. He was like, look, and I've heard it with other other quarterbacks too, like, look, if you sign me, you need to sign my linemen as well. Like, I'm a package deal. Like, because, like I said earlier, your stars, your QB1 is going to make the money, like. That's just how it is. Everybody wants to be that QB1. Every kid, no kid wants to go out in the backyard and play fucking right guard. Yeah. Like, everybody wants to play quarterback. When you're playing backyard football, be like, oh, I'm all-time quarterback. No one's going to be like, oh, I'm all-time, you know, third-string running back. Like, no. Like, the, the, I, I don't understand. But this is the first time I've heard of NIL actually being an issue on a team. Yeah. And, you know, this is even something that we talked about with Dave um, breaking down the Tennessee thing is that according to um, Cooper Mays and I, I'm not I'm not remembering the tight end's name that he talks to every week. Yeah, I don't remember. Those two guys, it wasn't a problem on the team. Like it, it, their whole thing was just like you were saying is that you know, obviously the starting quarterback is going to make the most money. That's not even going to be a question. Um, but, I mean, you know, I'm going to sound, I'm sound real old here. When a team starts to lose, when they face adversity, that's when your true character shines. Yeah. And, I mean, you can see it in multiple examples this season. Jermaine Burton in Alabama 
He faced adversity in that Tennessee game, ended up smacking a couple girls in the face. Now you have adversity of Tennessee losing a game. It's got to it's got to be extremely stressful. They didn't make, they didn't win their division. At this point, they're fighting every game. Like they not only have to win, but other teams have to lose for them to have a chance at the playoffs. Like it's got to be a very stressful environment, and that's when your true character comes out. And recruiting guys for their athletic athletic ability doesn't always tell you about their character. Yeah. AKA Brenton Cox. I mean, you see it. Yeah. Florida faced adversity. It brought out Brenton Cox character again. He was throwing punches, got kicked off of his second SEC team. That's like, it, it truly makes a difference. And, you know, I, I obviously don't know Jeremy Banks. He could be a good person that just made a mistake. It's entirely possible. Yeah. But, but, it definitely has to call into character. You're fighting your own teammates over allegedly a few push-ups or some NIL money. Like it's understandably questioned by the outside when things like that happen. Yeah. But who knows? But Spencer Rattler had himself a day. He now single-handedly holds the South Carolina record for most touchdowns in one game. Yeah. With six. Do you know how many touchdowns Spencer Rattler had going into the game on Saturday? Six. Five. Oh, fuck. I knew it was one of those. I knew it was either six or five. I, I, yeah. He more than doubled his season total in one game. That's crazy. And just for uh, just for shits and giggles here, I'm going to look up and see where uh, where Tennessee is on passing defense rankings. Uh, oh, after this game, they you know, got just, like... just 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 out of curiosity, um, they are now behind Vanderbilt at one thirty out of one thirty one. You say behind Vandy? Vandy's one twenty nine. Dude, Vandy's winning. Brings me right up to that next thing I wanted to talk about. <laughs> Vanderbilt on a two game SEC win streak. Tennessee gets blown out their second loss in three weeks. You've got two programs that, granted, they're not on the same level, but heading in opposite directions. Yeah. Is this game going to be fun? I, I can't it tell. Might. It might. We've seen how Tennessee plays on the road. We've seen how Tennessee plays on the road. Granted, it is Vandy. <laughs> So it might be half Tennessee fans. They played in two very hostile home stadiums. But still, you got two trajectories headed in two completely different ways. Yeah. No, I think think that's going to be a very interesting uh, conversation. And plus, I know Vandy fans are pissed. And Vandy in general is pissed. Oh, are you about to talk about the what Tennessee fans are trying to do in the stadium? Yeah, because Tennessee's trying to checker Vandy Stadium, which is just a slap in the fucking face. Yeah. And a lot of people want to bring up, oh, well, Georgia tried to checker Neyland in 2019. Like, that was probably just some rumor that got put out there. But we don't, like, 
I don't remember that being a thing. No, I don't either. And let's be honest. If you tell a Georgia crowd that there's a blackout, half of them are going to wear red because there's black on the shirt. <laughs> so we don't listen well. <laughs> no, I I think that is very disrespectful. And I it's Tennessee fans putting that out. And Tennessee fans also claimed that 30,000 people coming to Sanford and may have had 6,000 show up. So, Tennessee fans, a hell of a lot of mouth, not a lot of ass. Well, they do – so, Tennessee fans do travel. I will give them that. And with it being in Nashville, like being in Tennessee, like I can see a lot of Tennessee fans being there. But I could also see being – because, I mean, there was a lot of fans at the vein at the Florida game. I don't know if you saw their field, quote-unquote, storming that they had against when they beat – Their single-file line of 30 fans. (laughs) Going down the stairs. Let's see. You know, we're we're obviously going to get way more into this game as a, as the week goes on. Um, you can get into this game for as little as sixty seven dollars. And as of Monday night, it is a fourteen point spread. Fourteen. Fourteen. Dude, I might take Tennessee with the points on that. Holy shit. Tennessee with the points? I'm, dude, I might. Hendon's not playing, bro. He's it's the not. unguided Mr. Mr. Bazooka Joe himself under, court, under center. Dude, I don't know. That one might. Ugh. I did put a dollar, though, on the United States to win the World Cup. So, we'll see how that goes. Man, if you want to waste a dollar, I'll give you my Venmo. Dude, if I win, I get $81. <laughs> So, you know, someone that we are probably talking to next Monday, um, good old Will Auburn, our, what, our very first guest on the show. No. Was it? I'm pretty sure Will was our first guest, yeah. Was it not Connor? I think it was Will. I'll have to go back and look. But definitely one of our very first guests. Who would have thought we'd have Auburn? has talked about we're trying to get him to come talk to us about the LSU-Georgia SEC championship game. Who would have thought? I I guarantee you it wasn't me. I had (laughs) LSU finishing third in the West this year. Fourth. No, I had them finishing fourth in the West. I think we all did. But, uh, no, so he actually texted me about this this South Carolina-Tennessee game on Saturday night. Because he knows I'm a big Zach Bryan fan. He said South Carolina posted that something in the orange video a week too early. And I got the whole unguided missile and bazooka Joe uh nicknames for Joe Milton from Will as well. He I love it. At man, Will is one of my favorite people because it doesn't matter win, lose, or draw, he's gonna have an absolutely hilarious comment on whatever happens. Dude, I think it's going to be great. I think, dude, it could be a – if it's a shootout, I don't know if Andy wins. Man, just, you know, there could be some bias in this. But if you're asking me who I'm going to take at quarterback between Mike Wright and Joe Milton, taking Mike Wright seven days a week. He is a little more athletic. He is extremely athletic. 
Yeah. We'll get into that in the preview episode. Yeah, yeah we'll get into it. Um, so our last game that we're going to talk about, obviously the Georgia-Kentucky game. And, you know, we'll we'll have a negative sandwich here. So we'll talk about the positive, we'll talk about the negative, and we'll talk about the positive again. Um, positive. Georgia, Georgia is 11-0 for the second year in a row going into the Georgia Tech game. Which is apparently the first time a team has gone undefeated in back-to-back, like, SEC seasons since, like, 2000 fucking, what? 0809 Bama. Yeah, it was 06, 07 Florida. 08, no, 09, 95, Bama. 96 Florida. Well, I'm way off. All right, never mind then. I'm going to shut up. 95, <laughs> 96 Florida, um, 08, 09 Bama, and 2021, 2022. <laughs> Nemo, chill out. I know you don't like Florida or Bama, but you ain't got to be loud when I talk about them. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, yeah, third time since the SEC has gone to divisions that that's happened. Not only that, Georgia's 11-0 heading into good, clean, old-fashioned hate where they're favored by 33 and a half points. God. And he's, already, he's already calling the dogs. Uh, come here. Come here. Oh, Kelsey will be home in a minute, hopefully. But I mean, just another phenomenal season overall for Georgia. And come here. And I completely – I understand the outside perspective that Georgia has not looked as dominant over See, the last few weeks. No, So I understand why people on the outside are saying this, right? But then let's talk about it. The last four games, Georgia's played Florida – Tennessee, and Mississippi State, and Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. You could. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I have one lung in my throat trying to come up. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, before Georgia played Florida, would you like to know where Florida ranked as far as rushing offenses in the country? You've already told me. They are the they were the highest rushing yard per game school in the country that was not a service academy. Because ET is a that's a bad dude. And Montrell Johnson and Anthony Richardson. And just just out of curiosity, do you remember how many how many rushing yards Georgia allowed Florida to have? I wanna say it was less than one hundred. Was right at 100. Uh, they had 34 carries for 100 yards, getting to 2.9 yards per carry. Significantly hot, lower than their season average. Only allowed one touchdown on the ground. Okay. Jesus. Tennessee, number one offense in the country, undisputed. Going into that Georgia game, Tennessee had the number one offense. Yeah. I can't really argue it. Do you know how many total yards Georgia gave up to the number one offense in the country? 187. 289. Uh, I'm only 100 off. Right. But do you want to know as of today what Tennessee's average yards per game is? 
375. 540. Oh, Jesus. 540 yards per game. Georgia held them to 289. So, some people would call that good, right? Just a little bit. Uh, Mississippi State leads the country in passing yards per game. Right? They're a, they're a they're an air raid offense rarely runs the ball. Take a guess at how many passing yards um, Georgia gave up to Mississippi State. 228. 261. That is 60 yards less than their season average. Dude, I'm getting so close to these guys. I'm going to get one sooner or later. And then they've got Kentucky, which Kentucky is absolutely a – they're down this year, right? Just, you know, they're very obviously down this year. They're not near as good as they have been. Mm, weird. Would you like to know how – where Kentucky is ranked in total defense in the country? 23rd. 20. 19. They are 19th in the country. So, Georgia arguably has had one of the hardest four-game stretches in the country. Yeah. They lost 15 players to the draft. They lost their number one outside linebacker to a season-ending injury. They didn't have... They didn't have Jalen Carter up until that Florida game, and even then he only played 40% of the snaps. Yeah. They went undefeated in that stream, right? We all know that. Georgia's 11-0 in the season. Georgia beat the number one non-service academy rushing team in the country by 20, 22 points. They beat the number one offense in the country by 14 points, only allowing one touchdown and only passing the ball twice in the second half of the game. They beat the one of the top passing teams in the country, 45 to 19, only allowing one touchdown on the day. And they beat a Kentucky team that is extremely physical and has one of the best defenses in the country, 16 to 6. Hmm. And then if you want to take the entire season into it, Georgia beat the number one and number five offenses in the country. Good God. Sorry, my dog just tried to knock the table over. Um, (laughs) Georgia beat the number one and number five offenses in the country, only allowing a total of 16 points and scoring 49 and 27. Jesus. So... It doesn't always look pretty. Sometimes it looks like Saturday. Sometimes it looks like it did against Missouri. But sometimes you grab the other team by the throat and beat the absolute fuck out of them. Yeah. And walk into your next week's game. And that, and that's what somebody like commented on one of our posts talking about. You know, there's a way George going back to back. Like they haven't looked dominant. I'm like, what? What do you mean they haven't looked dominant? Like. They've dominated games in different ways every game. Yeah, absolutely. Like there hasn't been a game just statistically that has been probably close besides like the Kent State game. Which yeah. is sad to say. But even statistically, Georgia only allowed something like two hundred and twenty yards to Kent State 
They yeah. just had debilitating turnovers. Turnovers, yeah. And even after they only scored 16 points and didn't have a ton of yards against Kentucky, I mean, they had 363 total yards against Kentucky, right? Not, yeah. not great. Would you like to know where Georgia ranks in total offense in the country right now? Eighth. Seventh. God damn it. Seventh, averaging 496.3 yards per game. Oh, and by the way, I misspoke a minute ago. Oregon is not the number five offense in the country. They're the number three offense in the country. Oh, hmm. weird. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Odd, you know. Just way, way out there that, you know, Georgia, despite being the number one team in the country, undefeated. It's the first time you uh, team's gone back-to-back 8-0 in conference play in the SEC since 08-09 Bama. Um, odd that they are dominant on offense and defense. Top seven in both categories. You know, Crazy. Weird. Weird. I did the math today. Georgia is only allowing 11 points a game. It's like 11.09 points a game, which is honestly is close to the defense of last year. 10.8 or 10.8 or 10.9 was last season. Yeah. Like, and that's not counting like, you know, special teams touchdowns, you know, defensive touchdowns. Like, that's not yeah. counting. So, Georgia is the number one scoring offense in the country. Number one, allowing 11.09 points per game. You are 100% correct on that. The next closest team is Michigan, allowing 11.73 points per game. Would you like to know where the nearest SEC team is to number one? Sixth. Eleventh. Oh. Alabama comes in at 11th with 17.18 points per game. Jeez. Another... Defensive category that Kentucky is 19th in, allowing 19.644 points per game. So, once again, Kentucky may not be good on offense this season, which, I mean, we've seen it. They're not. Their offensive line is not that good. Their bright spots are Will Levis occasionally and Chris Rodriguez. Yeah. But they have a dominant defense. Yeah. And – You know, before I looked into the stats, I'll be honest, I was pissed about this game. I thought – I said it on Saturday. I was like, why is Stetson not throwing the ball? Is he injured or something? Super windy. Yeah, and then, like I said, I I looked into a little bit more. Winds were swirling in the stadium. So not like gusting from one side to the other. Swirling, going back and forth in circles, doing all sorts of craziness, 30 miles an hour. Yeah. And if we're going to talk about swirling winds and balls going through the air, Jackpot Lesney went three for three on field goals with 30 mile an hour winds. Phenomenal. Crazy. Crazy. Wind blowing in three different directions. Wind blowing in three different directions. Went three for three in field goals. And you have Kentucky's kicker who should know how to kick in that stadium. And granted, it was a bad snap. The laces were in, all that kind of stuff. But that ball was nowhere close. No. 
Like that ball might have been closer to me than it was to the uprights. And I was uh, not at the game. Earlier in that game, Stett had a low snap that he was able to get and get the laces down. Or laces well, out. You know, some people would say that Stetson Bennett's an elite football player. Who? That would be me. <laughs> that would be me. Oh, and also Gary Danielson says he's top two in the Heisman conversation. I don't mind, dude. Um, I don't buy that, but Gary Danielson has a vote, and he buys that. It's Gary Dan. Dude, I want, how do you get a vote? I want to vote. Um, Can I bitch about Gary Danielson for a minute? Send it. So I kept count of how many very obvious, easily, easily disputed mistakes that Gary Danielson made on Saturday night. And I stopped counting at 22 in the third quarter. Jeez. Um, the first one, one of the first ones I picked up on is he said Davis Willick was starting at right guard for Georgia. Y'all heard me talk about this kid all year. His name's Devin. <laughs> you got, you got like three out of the five letters right, but it still wasn't really close. Um, he called Dejan Edwards John Edwards. Um, yeah. Um, and you know, just those are the two that I can think of off the top of my head. But I counted twenty one before I stopped counting, and that just—I'm glad I go to most of the Georgia games because if I had to listen to him every week, I'd put the TV on mute. Dude, I might mute and just listen to Scott Howard on Saturday. For everything that we can do with technology, ESPN games, with ESPN games, you have like three different languages. You can watch the sky view. You can do all 22. You can do all this craziness. And we're still listening to Gary Danielson without any other option with CBS. You know, I feel like they keep him on just like how game day keeps Corso on. I think it's just fun to have him on and have people, like, rant about him. Because, I mean, it's publicity if you think about it. It is. It's never good publicity, though. All publicity is good publicity, all right? There's a certain point where that you even get – you can't even count that anymore. (laughs) I mean, there is a writer for Saturday Down South that's weekly job is to write an article about how bad Gary fucked up. And it's not like he it's not like he watches it, writes that article, and then asks to publish it. Like he's told every week, watch this game and count as fuck ups. When you when your inability to do your job correctly is giving another person a job, it might be time to retire. We need to buy that man a shot. <laughs> oh, he deserves something. He definitely deserves something, and it's not to continue to listen to Gary Daniels. The same. We'll send him. We'll send him an ASW shot. There we go. We'll send him some ASW swag. He deserves it, unless he's a Florida or Tennessee fan. <laughs> no, he doesn't deserve it. Then. Um, something else that I noticed 
with this game. And I don't know if you guys pay attention to the post-game press conferences like I do. Kirby said they prepared for this game with significantly less plays than they do for most games because of the weather. He said their game plan was going to be to run the ball and chew up clock. Because he knew they could get out to a lead. And then he pretty much just wanted to sit on it. Yeah. And I think a part of that is the weather, but I also think a part of that is they got out to a pretty big lead against Florida and kept playing. And what happened? Injuries. Yeah. I think at this point, Kirby is playing the long game. I would not be surprised if Georgia tries to get out to a big lead in the first half against Tech and then has the starter sit most of, if not all, of the second half. Yeah. So, I mean, if you think about it, we, there's potentially – there's, without a doubt, there's two – no, there's three games left without a doubt. Without a doubt, there's three games left. Potentially, sure. potentially four. Like, 100%, this team is playing the long game. Yeah. Because they know they can. And, I mean, injuries, Kirby saw last year with the Bama team. Like, that Bama team in the national championship, as much shit we talked, it was not the same team. No. They had a ton of injuries. The Georgia team last season managed to get healthier throughout the season because the season was not backloaded. This year, it's kind of the opposite. Four of your last five games were against very good teams. And then you've got Georgia Tech, which hopefully is just like a second bye week, but this Georgia Tech team beat a ranked UNC team that's going to play for their conference. Georgia Tech, and not to mention... Georgia Tech is also fighting for bowl eligibility this week. They are currently five and six. They are. So, I'm, you know, I'm not sitting here trying to say that Georgia Tech is going to beat Georgia. Georgia Tech's going to come out with something. And they're going to yeah. have to get punched in the mouth quick. Figuratively or? No, 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 no. George Pickens, I don't know if you know this, he plays for the Steelers now. Ah, um, okay. Yeah, so we're we're going to try to not punch anybody because we can't have a suspension going into the SEC championship game. Especially not from a receiver. No, not already way too thin at that spot. Um, do you have – oh, offensive and defensive MVPs. I was com- about to forget that completely. How dare you? I know. I'm so awful. Who's who's the offensive MVP? And I think we all know who it is. Do we? I, it's gonna be um, it's it's uh, Kenny McIntosh. Duh. Okay. <laughs> I was like, duh. dude, dude, put the team on his back and fucking went off. Nineteen carries, hundred forty-three yards, and a touchdown. You know th- those numbers aren't staggered. I mean, one forty-three is fantastic against this defense. That's his first rushing game of a hundred over a hundred four over a hundred yards in his career. Yeah, like dude put the team on his back and went off. And it was funny because I was talking in our group about how, you know, when Ohio State played a, you know, one win Northwestern team in pretty windy conditions, they weren't able to have in-game adjustments and you know switch up their offense. That's what this Georgia team did. And we we mentioned that earlier. 
this team was able to switch it up, not air it out as much, run the ball, chew up clock, and win this game pretty convincingly. 10-point win in a hostile environment with shit weather against the number 19 defense in the country. I'll take that any day of the week. Yeah, I'm not even talking about the score. I'm talking about, like, just straight dominance of this team. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people probably didn't even watch this game. They just look at the box and be like, oh, it was only a 10-point game. Like, no, Georgia dominated this game. Just like they've dominated every other game from the get. Yeah. No, 100%. All right. My defensive MVP of the game. I got to go with Nas Stackhouse. Not only did he win SEC Defensive Lineman of the Week while Jalen Carter was healthy, which, I mean, that should say a lot in itself. He he did not lead the team in tackles, 100%. But you know who didn't lead the team in tackles a lot of the time last year? Jordan Davis. Yep. But you know who the entire defense was centered around their ability to just eat up two blockers in the middle of the defense? Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis. Nazi or Stackhouse, full transparency, I've said it many a times on the show, he is not Jordan Davis. There might be one other person on this planet that could classify in the same species as Jordan Davis. But if you're going to have somebody come in and try to take that spot, I've not seen another person in the country that's playing college football this season that I would rather have. No. I mean, he he has been able to do Jordan Davis's job, not to the level that Jordan Davis did it, but as close as you can get without having Jordan Davis back this year. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like he doesn't necessarily get enough love through the major or mainstream college sports media and even a lot of Georgia, you know, entities. I feel like he does not get enough love. But this dude is a major reason why Georgia is able to do what they have in the run game. Oh, yeah, for sure. And he deserves the love that he's getting from us at the least. Give him some love. All right. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we close it out? Nah, let's do it. All right, guys. Same thing we talk about every week. Go follow our Twitter, at FinderPod. If you don't have a Twitter, make a Twitter and follow us because we need more followers. Instagram at nothing.finer.pod. Facebook group is just search Nothing Finer Podcast on Facebook. Our new ASW giveaway is live. It is up. And we got one week to do it. We may throw a caveat in there um, to try and get some more people to do it with us. But, you know, we just want your, we want you to post on Instagram with the hashtag nothing finer game day, whatever you're doing on game day. If you're, if you're sitting down watching football while you're eating Thanksgiving dinner on Thursday, throw it up with the hashtag nothing finer game day. It doesn't have to be a Georgia game that you're talking about, but the biggest caveat is you've got to be following both our page and the ASW distillery page. We had three people in the October giveaway that did all the steps, but follow ASW and their names didn't get put into the drawing, which sucks, and I hate it for them. But it's part of the instructions. You know, we're trying to we're trying to boost each other's social media here. 
Um, so that's the biggest thing. Follow both of them and post nothing finer game day. Hashtag nothing finer game day. Um, we are following that hashtag. So anybody that posts with it, we will see it. And then, you know, we may throw out a special Thanksgiving thing for uh, this week to be able to get into the to be able to get into the drawing. We'll have to talk about that, but uh, we will let you know by the next episode. And always remember, there is nothing finer in the land. Then a drunk, obnoxious Georgia fan. Biggest third down in Bryce Young's career. You need 10. Play clock at four. From the pocket. Launching downfield. Underthrown and intercepted. Keely Ringo has an escort down the sidelines. All the way to the end zone. And Georgia is going to conquer the Crimson Tide.